This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. We've been uh, teaching for the last several weeks on being led by the Spirit of God. And uh, we've been using uh, uh, three openings as text scriptures or really beginning points. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Um, Romans chapter 8 and Proverbs chapter 20. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23, Paul said, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly or completely. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless into the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He tells us by the Holy Ghost, by the Holy Spirit, the makeup of man. Man is the spirit. He has a soul and he lives in a body. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 14, It says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Well, everybody wants to be led by the Holy Ghost. It would be impossible for you to to walk in defeat in any area if you're led by the Holy Ghost. Because he's always going to lead you into victory. That's all he knows. But how's he going to do that? Well, if man is spirit, soul, and body, and the Bible doesn't tell us how the Holy Ghost is going to lead us, then we're left to wonder or to conclude, draw our own conclusions based on any number of factors on what the leading of God is. And folks, I don't know what your experience is, but I get a lot of people telling me that God told them things that God could not possibly have said. I get a lot of people that tell me that their decisions are what God is leading them to do when it, would, when it contradicts the word, when it violates the word. Well, that's impossible for the Holy Ghost to lead you contrary to the Word of God. Well, where do people come up with these ideas? There are all kinds of reasons and, and, uh, and excuses, I guess, that people can make for why they think God is telling them one thing or another to do. But I, the bottom line comes down to it's what their flesh wants. Nobody, now you judge this for yourself. I believe this is a true statement. I've never said this before. Wasn't really planning to say it now, so... I kind of caught myself. I believe it's by the Spirit of God, but you judge it for yourself. Nobody ever claims to be led by the Holy Ghost to do something that's contrary. Well, let me say it this way. Nobody ever falsely claims to be operating by the leading of the Holy Ghost that's against their flesh. If anybody claims to be doing something by the Holy Ghost and it's not really him, it's always going to be according to what they wanted to do they from a natural standpoint wanted to do anyway and a lot of times people make excuses for what they want to do anyway and say God said do it and in those cases in many of those situations where people have come and said well the Lord told me to do this once they say God told them what am I supposed to say the fact of the matter is God doesn't lead you by circumstances yeah but Pastor Mike look what he did for Gideon yeah that was Gideon he's a man that doesn't have the spirit of God in him Nobody could be born again at that point in time. He had no leading of the Holy Ghost on the inside of him. It was impossible for him to know the voice of God or to identify the voice of God for sure outside of uh, physical circumstances. But that's not the way God leads you now. Romans 8, 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, not led by fleeces, they are the sons of God. Now, you don't hear too much about fleeces nowadays. I don't know if people have just forgotten the story or times have changed or whatever the case is but so often people are doing the same thing and it's exactly the same thing just using different terminology they're praying for god to open or shut doors 
Now, Lord, if this is you, you open the door. Is God the only one that can open doors in this physical and natural realm? Well, if you think that, you hadn't gotten very far yet. The devil opens and shuts doors too. Lord, if this is you, then you close this door. What is that? That's mankind. That's the church saying, we don't want to be led from the inside. We want to be led by circumstances, which is exactly what Gideon was doing with the fleece. Well, if we don't distinguish and differentiate between spirit, soul, and body, we're never going to know the leading of God because the Bible says God leads us in a very specific way. Romans eight fourteen, we just quoted a couple of times, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. But if he left us just there without telling us how he's going to lead us, then we're going to come up with all kinds of goofy conclusions, which the church has on how the Holy Ghost leads you. Verse 16 tells you how. Romans eight sixteen for uh, the, the Spirit himself, King James says itself, but he's not an it. The Spirit himself beareth witness with our spirits that we are the children of God. He bears witness with our spirits that we are the children of God. He doesn't change circumstances to show us. He doesn't speak to our minds, which is a part of the soul, to show us. He bears witness with our spirit. Now, a lot of people, unfortunately, in the church world, and, and here again, in, uh, it, it seems to me, you judge it for yourself, but it seems to me that there's not much conversation about soul and spirit. Used to be a lot more in the church world. And, and as a result, a lot of people, most people perhaps, thought that the soul and the spirit were the same thing. And there are times where you can't tell what the Bible is referring to just by the use of the words themselves. You've got to look at the context. But the soul and the spirit can't be, it can't be the same thing because Hebrews 4.11, 4, I'm sorry, Hebrews 4, chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, I'll get it right in a minute says that the word of God is quick and powerful, full of life and power, Weymouth's translation says, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Now, if you could divide the soul and the spirit, they couldn't be the same thing. Because to divide means to distinguish between, to separate. So the soul and the spirit can't be the same thing. But here again, you get people that without a knowledge of God's word, they, the thought will come to their mind, they'll say, oh, that had to be God. Why did it have to be God? Can't the devil put thoughts in your mind? He sure tried to put them in mind. That's why the Bible says to guard our minds, to judge everything, to, to judge every thought, take every thought captive and bring it into the obedience of the word of God. Why? Well, if the wrong thoughts couldn't come to your mind, there'd be nothing to, no reason to take them captive, would there? See, a lot of people's thinking is wrong thinking and they don't judge it by the word they don't judge it by the witness of their heart their spirit and so they never find out the world the will of god for their lives now the third passage or opening of scripture that we use for a text scripture is in the proverbs chapter 20 and verse 27 it says the spirit of man everybody say the spirit of man the spirit of man is the candle of the lord searching all the inward parts of the belly now we don't use lamps too much anymore he's not talking about a table lamp although the the, the use is similar but the lamp that he's talking about in, uh, in the Old Testament was the only means of, of illumination that they had. And so if you were going to have any light in the dark whatsoever, you had to carry around one of these little oil lamps, which they called a candle, or is it translated a candle in, Romans, in uh, Proverbs twenty twenty seven. So it's saying that the Spirit of the Lord uses 
your spirit, the Holy Spirit, uses your spirit, not your mind and not your body, not your physical circumstances and not your thoughts to bring illumination to your life. Well, what areas of illumination do we need? We need revelation. We need the Holy Ghost to reveal things to us that we don't know. We need enlightenment. We need the Holy Ghost to show us things that we don't see. And we need guidance. We need the Holy Ghost to reveal to us or give us direction into where we don't know to go. Now, how are those things going to happen? You won't find a Christian anywhere that says they don't want those things from God. But how are they going to happen? Well, God's going to open and shut doors. No, he's not. God's going to make me think the right thoughts. No, he's not. God's going to make me feel the right feelings. No, he's not. What is he going to do? He's going to bring illumination to your spirit. He's going to bring guidance and direction to your spirit. Not your mind and not your body, but your spirit. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Now, whatever somebody, you or me or somebody else might think of why Jesus healed the sick, Matthew eight seventeen tells us why he healed everybody that was sick. Jesus healed all that were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. You're looking in the future for something to happen. You need to turn around and look behind you and what the Bible says has already happened. Because behind you is the cross and on the cross Jesus shed his blood for your sins, for your peace, literally your financial well-being and your sickness. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Now, we talked a little bit about the soul last week and about how the, the will is the determining factor. Man is three parts, spirit, soul, and body. The spirit is the innermost part of man. It's where the eternal life of God uh, is, uh, is deposited. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians five seventeen, if any man be in Christ, talking about the born-again experience, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. Now, what old things pass away? Do the things of the physical pass away? Well, if that were the case, you'd change hair color and eye color and, and, and all sorts of things when you got born again. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be great all you had to do is get in, get, to get in shape is get saved? That weight just drops off of you because old things pass away. Dream on, brother. No, things of the body don't change. The physical realm doesn't change. The things of your physical body don't change and the things of the physical circumstances of your life don't change because you get saved. As a matter of fact, some of them get worse. Well, what changes? Do your thoughts change? Well, it would be great if they would. No, in fact, the Bible says one of the first things for the born-again believer to do is to change his way of thinking, for him to change his way of thinking. Well, if he had to change his own way of thinking, that means his way of thinking hadn't already changed by the new birth. Doesn't it? F.F. Bosworth said, 
The first thing God asks of one of his new children is to change his thinking. Well, if things of the mind don't change and things of the body don't change, then that means the old things that have passed away are not physical things and they're not soulish things. What old things pass away? The things pertaining to your old man, the spirit of man, the old man that you were in Adam, the spirit that you were that was dead unto God, separated and dead unto God, that's gone away. God puts a new spirit within you and then puts his spirit in that spirit. So spiritually all things become new, but only spiritually do they become new. God leaves it up to us to do something about our flesh, our bodies, and do something about our thinking. Those are our responsibility, not his. And the Bible tells us what to do about it. It tells us to renew our minds to the word of God and present our bodies a living sacrifice. Now, if we understand and come to, come to the understanding that we are a spirit being with the eternal life of God deposited in us. Now, here's another thought that you need to get squared away in your thinking. Too many Christians think that when we get to heaven, then we'll have eternal life. But the Bible says we know that we have passed from life to death now because we love the brethren. John said that in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 14. We know, everybody say we know. Be good for Christians to know this. We know that we've passed from death to life, have passed from death to life. Not going to pass from death to life. Not when you get to heaven, then the life of God comes upon you or in you or some other way. We know that we have passed from death to life. You won't be any, you won't be any more a partaker of eternal life when you get to heaven than you are right now. As a matter of fact, we're going to be shocked. When Jesus comes back for us, we're going to be shocked at how little change there is. We'll receive our redeemed bodies. But when Paul was caught up into heaven, now granted he didn't have his his redeemed body, but Paul said when he was caught up into heaven, he didn't know whether he was in the body or out of the body. Think about that. He was caught up into heaven. And he couldn't tell whether he was in the body or out of the body. Look how little impact or how little effect or how little influence the body has on the believer who's renewed his mind to the word. He couldn't tell whether he's in the body or out of the body. Now, if I'd been with Paul and he'd been caught up into heaven, I could have told, told him right away when he got back, you were either in your body or out of your body. Your body either disappeared or it stayed put. But he couldn't tell. He couldn't tell. Folks, spiritual things are just as real and in one sense even more real than physical things. So how are we to ascertain, how are we to distinguish this inward leading, this inward guidance by the Holy Ghost. Well, notice again in Romans chapter 8 and verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. What does he bear witness with our spirits to? That we are the children of God. That we are the children of God. That we are the children of God. First thing Paul mentions about the leading of the Holy Ghost, the guidance of the Holy Spirit within, is that he'll reveal to you, he'll guide you, he'll lead you into knowledge regarding who you are in Christ. Turn with me to John chapter 16. John chapter 16 and verse 13. Jesus talking about the work of the Holy Ghost that was to come from, from that point in time. He would, what he would do after Jesus was raised from the dead. Notice he said in verse 13, Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. One translation translates the, the word truth as reality. Howbeit when he, the spirit of reality, has come, he'll guide you into all reality. I like that. 
Because I want to know things that are real. I don't just want to know things that are temporal. Sure, there are some earthly and natural things that we need to know, but I want to know things that are real. I want to know about things that are eternal. He'll guide you into all truth. Notice what it says. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, he shall speak and will show you things to come. What does it mean that the Holy Ghost won't speak of himself? It means he's not the originator of the words that he speaks. Now, if you remember, the Bible says, Paul even said about the revelation that he received and what he wrote down for the church. Paul said that all scripture is given by inspiration of the Holy Ghost. So the word of God is given by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, but they're not, it's not his words. Whose words are they? Well, of the, of the Trinity, who's the word? The Bible says Jesus was the word made flesh. So when Jesus says, he shall not speak of himself, he's saying he'll speak whatever he hears me say. He'll speak whatever he hears me say and will show you things to come. He will show you things to come. Now, show means to reveal, doesn't it? He will show unto you or reveal unto you things to come. Let's keep reading verse 14. He shall glorify me for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. He shall show it unto you. He'll take the things that are mine and reveal them in other words. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore, I said that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. Back up to chapter 14 and verse 26. Notice what Jesus said about the Holy Ghost. He calls him the comforter here. But notice what he says about the Holy Ghost here in this verse. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. Well, that means guide you into all truth. He'll teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So what is Jesus telling us that the work of the Holy Ghost is? Well, the work of the Holy Ghost is to speak the words of Jesus, to bring to our remembrance the words that he spoke here on the earth, but to speak those things which are not recorded in the Scripture that are related to our well-being also. He'll show you things to come. He'll show you things to come. Now, put these two scriptures, or these three scriptures together. Put these scriptures together. Romans eight sixteen, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are the children of God. Paul is telling us by the Holy Spirit the same thing Jesus said, just using different terms. He said the Holy Ghost will show you who you are in Christ. What is Paul's gospel and Paul's revelation all about? In other words, what did the Holy Ghost reveal to him that we know of now as the word of God? who we are in Christ. That's what Paul's letters are all about, who we are in Christ. What's the one thing the church world at large doesn't seem to know? Who we are in Christ. Why is it that the work of the Holy Ghost is going, is producing so little fruit in the, in the life of the average Christian? Is it the Holy Ghost's fault? What happened? What happened is people aren't giving attendance to the revelation that the Holy Ghost has brought to us. What's the key to victory in life? Knowing who you are in Christ. And folks, that's what renewing your mind to the word is all about. That's what the inward witness is all about, is recognizing the first and foremost place the Holy Ghost is going to lead you is into the word of God. Into the knowledge of who you are in Christ. 
One of the greatest examples I have ever seen and ever heard is written right in the Bible about being led by the Holy Ghost. Let me show you what being led by the Holy Ghost is really like. Turn with me over to Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. I don't know if you know this or not, but the Holy Ghost gives you a perfect example of how to know how to follow his leading. It's in the Apostle Paul's life. Paul talked more about being developed in spirit and being sensitive in spirit and being led by his spirit than any of the other writers. Well, I wonder if he lived what he preached. Yeah, he did. And look and see how. Acts chapter 19. Paul is in Ephesus, the city of Ephesus. And I, let me turn in my Bible. There's, uh, there's some verses we probably ought to pull out here. It says that uh, it starts with about 12 people. He, he thinks they're saved, but they're not. When he goes to Ephesus for the first time, he finds out that they're uh, followers of John the Baptist. But they, And John the Baptist's message is, there's one coming after me. Jesus is coming after me, but they never knew that Jesus came. They never knew what he did. So Paul gets them saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he begins to preach in, in the city. There are um, uh, certain Jews and others that uh, resist the message. And uh, so he goes to another place and, and begins to preach. And, and boy, I mean, they have a great revival. It says in verse 10, this continued by the space of two years so that all they that dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks or Jews and Gentiles. Paul is having a two-year revival just by teaching the word. Now, you know as well as I do that if he's just teaching the word without some kind of signs following or some kind of uh, accompanying results, nobody's going to keep believing it for two years. After two years, somebody's going to say, wait a minute, I thought this stuff's supposed to work. But we don't have any record of what those things were. Which tells me that wasn't anything out of the ordinary. It's just God confirming his word with signs following. The Lord watching over his word to perform it in the lives of the people that were putting it in practice. Which... You know, we make a big deal about miracles, and, and rightly so. We make a big deal about the spectacular events in the Scripture, and rightly so. But you're not going to live on spectacular events. The Word of God is designed to take you through day after day after day. And Jesus talked about the Word of God being like planting seed in the ground. Now, I've got a little garden planted out behind my house. All I've got this year are Tomatoes. And I don't have spectacular growth on any one day. But just little by little by little, even in some ways that are not even perceptible to me, now I've got a yard full of tomatoes. Now, when I first planted these little plants, I mean, they were just a couple of inches tall. And I'm looking at it, and I remember thinking, will they ever get big? But they did. Little by little by little, by little, by little. Now I think what happens is a lot of people, and, and that's a good example, a good picture of your spiritual life. Jesus talked about us, as, uh, the scripture talks about us as being like trees planted by the rivers of living water. One of the trees Jesus used as an example was the mustard tree. He said the, the mustard seed's the smallest of all seeds, but it grows up into one of the biggest trees. Well, it sure doesn't look like there's a big tree in that little seed, does it? In the same way, it may not look like, from your natural and physical circumstances, it may not look like you are who the Bible says you are. But you are, and you get there little by little by little, day by day by day. 
And a lot of people get discouraged by that. Well, Pastor Mike, I've been believing God for my healing for a week. When is this going to happen? Well, a lot of it may have to do with us. You know what I found? And I don't know everything. Far from it. But one of the things that I found, I realized this the other day. I don't know if it's the Holy Ghost told me or if I just realized this on my own. But either way, it fits with the scripture. I have never seen anybody healed that's asking when. Now, maybe you have, but not me. I've never seen anybody receive the promise of God for whatever they're standing on or believing for while they're saying when. Now, whether you whether that's 100% accurate in every case or not, I, I can't say. But I do know the principle is true. You better deal with the wins before you expect to receive your answer. Okay, back to Paul. Paul's having a two-year revival. And notice the extent of that revival. All of Asia hears from one place. He doesn't have to travel from place to place. All Asia is hearing from this one place. God will sometimes put you in positions and sometimes he'll put you in places that have far greater spheres of influence than you would ever imagine. I doubt very seriously if Paul walked into Ephesus and said, okay, this is the place I'm going to reach Asia from. He's probably as surprised as the results as anybody. And it tells us about one special miracle that takes place, or several of them, I guess. Verse 11, and God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. Notice he's reaching Asia before the miracles are mentioned. So that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons and the diseases departed from them and the evil spirits went out of them. Then the next several verses tell us about these seven sons of one man named Siva. The Siva was a Jewish exorcist. He had seven sons that are hearing Paul preach. have been hearing him preach for several years in town now. And apparently Paul has got this uh, demonstrated authority over evil spirits because they take the name of Jesus that Paul is preaching and try to do the same thing. They try to get the same results. And so they came upon one person that was demon-possessed, and they said, We adjure you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, come out of him. And the evil spirit that was in that man, the possessed man, said, Well, Jesus we know and Paul we know, but who are you? Now, let me take a little side journey here for just a second. I'll try not to use up all my time on it, but remember what we said a few minutes ago in Romans eight sixteen. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are the children of God. What's the number one way that the Holy Ghost is going to lead you? He's going to lead you into the knowledge of who you are in Christ. Notice the devil's question to these seven guys. Who are you? Well, we don't have any, any evidence that these guys are even saved. It implies that they're trying to get God results with natural, in a natural process. And you can't. But for me, this says something very significant. That is the devil's always looking for who you are. He's looking to see whether or not you know who you are. Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? Paul knew who it was to such a degree that the devil could call him by name. Can he with you? The Bible tells us that the number one way that God speaks to us and leads us is by bearing witness with our spirits. As we develop our spirits and sensitivity to His voice, we can always know His plan for our lives. Thanks for watching today. 
Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. And when he would not be persuaded, we ceased saying, the will of the Lord be done. What was stronger in him than all the circumstantial evidence? The inward witness. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.